0: This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Fun Belt Podcast. This is the Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network.
1: Oaks the Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of HowlRazor, and Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record.
2: I think it's potentially a very good week for the Sunbelt. But I'm just kind of going off
0: on a random rant. It, it's, it's just frustrating. It, it's... <laughs> Uh, football's over with, guys. Yeah. And and so now you have to when you're on bet online, you have to make sure that you are filtering out the NFL, filtering out college mm-hmm. football. It's all about college baseball, college basketball, oh. and maybe even finding out who is going to be the top draft pick in the NFL draft coming Ooh. up. The Sun Belt well represented finally in the combine. Jeremy, what do you think of the guys that are going to have their name called at least in Indianapolis to run in the in the skinny shorts? You know,
1: I I always like to see offensive linemen from the Sun Belt get recognized because I think for a long time the Sun Belt was thought of as sort of a a smaller league that's more about speed and turning athletes into football players wasn't about the trenches, but we got a couple uh, offensive linemen going. Ethan Driscoll from Marshall, Nathan Thomas from Louisiana. Let's wish them the best of luck. I like those guys, and we got three marquee running backs in there with Ali Rasheen, Frank Gore Jr., and Kamani Vidal. I think that's those are some pretty good names.
2: Shane, what yeah. happened to the guys at JMU? Yeah, Come on, where are the JMU boys? Uh, I don't know. I mean <clears> – <throat> i don't know if they had like a bunch of draftable guys to begin with and then you know they see guys leave um like before kurt signetti left i think they were looking forward to having a whole bunch of starters back which is part of the reason you're not seeing a lot of these guys in the combine i think you'll see some guys who have played at jmu in the past in the 2025 combine Oh, most of them coming out of Indiana, probably. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> oh shit!
3: Yeah, uh,
1: I don't. Hey, Shane, I don't know why you have to defend JMU here. I don't see any Warhawks on there.
0: They're there. They they just can't be seen. Squint a little bit harder, Jeremy.
1: Are they the guys that are going to be changing out the plates on the on the dumbbells and 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 arranging the cones and maybe you know throwing the football passes and handing out the towels?
0: They're the guys that are the weights. It's no longer how much weight do you lift, it's how many Warhawks can you lift.
1: BetOnline, which is my favorite betting platform, continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team. And remember to use promo promo code B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, the game starts here. Do you guys
2: watch the combine? Shane, do you watch the combine? Uh, Not really. I mean, yeah. I don't seek it out. It's one of those things that sometimes is on when you're out places, though, and you kind of end up, you know, paying attention to whatever happening. You know, whatever, like you said, large man in skinny shorts happens yeah. to be running at that time.
1: It's kind of like a meat market, man. They, you know, yeah. They're standing around getting measured, and then they perform feats of strength and feats of speed, and it, it's kind of amusing to watch it. You know I, I I guess i I've never really watched it i'll I'll pay attention to see how the Sun Belt guys are doing because I really hate I do like reading the NFL scouting reports afterwards. They'll say, "Oh, his hands are too small. We project him to be coming out from here or whatever. That's kind of interesting. I think that's kind of interesting. Dusty, do you think that if you if you get invited to the combine, your chances have increased for getting drafted?
0: Maybe. And and I say that because I I immediately think of Calvin Dawson, ULM all-time leading rusher. He was invited to the combine, but at the combine for the pre-screen physical, they found a defect and they said, you got two choices. You can walk out that door or that door. And so even though his name was there in the, the portal, so to say for the combine never got to participate because of injury. And so I think until you're actually <laughs> hand on the turf with the fat guy running a 40, you're just not going to uh, really reap the benefits of being there at the combine.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah, I get that. So the full list, guys, just so nobody gets left off. You know, we talked about Ali and Frank Gore and Vidal and Driscoll and Thomas. Also, Javon Solomon from Troy, the great Javon Solomon. Awesome defensive end. And Jordney Hunter, Hunter from Georgia State, linebacker, he's in there. So, you know, a pretty good group. You know, there are plenty of teams, like especially those power teams that have more representation just one team than the whole of Sunbelt, but that's all right. You know, I feel like this is probably pretty much kind of what you see from the Sunbelt. Is it a little surprising not to see some of the usual Sunbelt programs. Get a player in, like uh, Appalachian State, I usually see somebody in there. Coastal Carolina. And they're absent this year. Is that is that something to look at? Or is it just like, eh, they just didn't have the guys?
2: I think you know part of it is some of these programs aren't going to keep guys through their senior years or to become draft eligible because of the portal. I think that's probably the case with Coastal. <clears throat> App State's also a little like JMU where they had a lot of underclassmen starting for them. This past season, then you know maybe their draft class is more like 2025 than 2024.
1: Hmm. Hey, I'm going to change subjects for just a second. Dusty,
0: is that okay? I love when you squirrel out. Go for it.
1: Have you seen the new photo <laughs> of Grayson McCall for North Carolina State? The I saw on the, the
0: the X where somebody said he went from Joe Dirt or Joe Dirt to Joe Dirt CPA.
1: <laughs> the mullet is gone. You know, he, he looks like just, he looks like one of us, you know, just kind of, yep, here to play some football. Like all the cool has been stripped away from him. He's no longer Coastal Carolina man, piss and teal. He's just corporate North Carolina state. Good for it, you.
2: Rale- er- Raleigh's a much more of a yuppie type of town than Myrtle Beach. Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> he's, he just, I think he just likes to fit in wherever he goes. <laughs> Okay, well,
1: good. Well, I hope he fits in. Yeah,
2: that's pretty good. So looking at that list
0: of guys in the combine, who do you think is most likely, oh. and you kind of hinted at it there, Jeremy, who's, who do you think is most likely to get drafted? And and, and I'm, I might take kind of the, the cherry pick there. I think it's Frank Gore Jr. I, I think that he really showcased his time at Southern Miss, that he, he's the guy. He can be that every down back. I do worry a little bit about his height. But we've also seen in the past where small running backs are, are a commodity in the NFL that everyone wants to have a piece and, and and to have a good speedster like that on their team.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's kind of a salad day going on for or halcyon days for uh, sun Belt running backs in the NFL. I mean, there there is a handful of of, of them out there doing well, you know, uh, getting yards every year. So it's not unusual to have a skilled position guy like a Frank Gore or, or Sheen Ali or Kamani v- Vidal out there. But that being said, I feel like the most guy, the most likely guy is probably somebody like Javon Sullivan. I just feel like he's more of the NFL sort of high motor guy. I know defensive end is really hard to to get onto NFL, uh, NFL uh, rosters because you have to have that combination of speed and size that's just so rare. But if I had to put my money on any guy, it'd probably be Solomon.
2: I'm with Dusty on Gore. I just think, you know, he's had the very impressive showing in the all-star game. He, you know, was he for so long, he seemed like he was all Southern Miss had offensively. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, going to the NFL, it's getting more and more creative with how they, you know, run their offenses. I think a guy with multi tools, so to speak, is probably pretty valuable. And also just, you know, he's got the name. And the NFL, I'm not saying this takes anything away from what he's done himself, but the NFL's pretty big on nepotism. We see, like, you know, people are going to be like, hey, another Frank Gore. Like, we'll give this guy a shot.
1: It's not nepotism. It's legacy. Legacy <laughs> players coming in. Yeah. But yeah, here's the thing I like about Frank Gore that uh, I think that uh, you're kind of convincing me it might be Frank Gore, is that he gets just so many yards after the hit. You know, like he never goes down at the first lick. He's the one laying out the licks. You know, he's one of the hardest guys I've ever seen to bring down. And I think that's something that will probably play pretty well in the NFL.
0: We're about a month out from Pensacola, where we will crown a champion in men's and women's basketball. Looking at the standings, Marshall continues to dominate the women's side, 11-1 overall in conference. Yes, they got Dean coming out the gates the second half with that loss, but they rebounded. They were able to get another win, moving to 17-6 and six overall. James Madison and Troy clinging to a tie for second place at 9-3. and three. James Madison, always the team to beat, it seems like, down the stretch in the women's basketball. Shane, is this a year that maybe they slip a little bit and they're only the
2: third-place team? <clears throat> yeah, maybe a little bit, and, you know they claim a uh, regular season title last year, but they shared it with three other teams. So it's not like, you know, they were very, very close. They could have easily been the four seed in the tournament last year. So it's just been that balanced in women's basketball. Um, And it's, again, that that's going to be a really interesting race for who gets those top four double buys. Cause right now there's five teams right there and really six, seven, eight that aren't that far out. And you can't afford to have a bad weekend at this point. If you're any of those teams other than Marshall, you know, uh,
1: James Madison, do they still have their
2: big Russians? Well, one big Russian, (laughs) Um, you know, she might be a game time decision for tomorrow against, you know, Georgia state, which is another one of those teams that's right there in the mix. Um, You know, you can go from second to fifth or sixth really fast in this women's race. And, you know, there's going to be some big games for for all of those teams on the men's side. Appalachian State,
0: they they're getting caught. Troy now sitting at ten and two, same record as App State. App State still impressive, twenty and five overall, but Troy on a six game winning streak, the current longest in the Sun Belt. I think that's your 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 two horse race there in that uh, men's side of the bracket in the standings. How do y'all see that shaking out there? Or do you feel that maybe there's somebody that can kind of sneak up on them? Are the Cajuns actually going to uh, turn on the afterburners late in the season and improve from their eight and four? Or is it James Madison once again going back to that preseason or early season team that they had that beat Michigan State and went on that big run?
1: Yeah, I got two thoughts on that. One, Troy, remember at, at, at our mid-conference season, uh, uh uh blowout a couple weeks ago. We we're talking about Troy that you know they've had a good first half of the season, but surely they're about to kind of hit a wall because now the schedule's getting kind of tough and Scott Cross is doing the best he can now, but he just won't have enough. They're still doing great. They're still they're still <laughs> they' they don't seem to be stopping at all. So that shows what we know about sunbelt basketball, sunbelt entropy. It cannot be predicted but it also seems to me Shane uh and dusty that it's going to be anybody's tournament for a lot of teams <laughs> it's going to be like who's going to be hot you know who's going to come in with that winning streak who's going to come in the most healthy who's going to come in not completely exhausted dusty and i were talking off camera a little earlier about how ulm women right now just completely exhausted and this is the time of year when you for basketball programs, where if if you are conditioned, if you you know put the work in the off season, this is the time when you really gonna when it's really gonna show. And Shane, do you do you agree that this? I mean, I know we see the Mountaineers and Troy on top. But it seems like there are plenty of the teams out there that can have a streaky uh, moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to come down a lot to like we're talking about with the women though. Who gets those four double buys? Because it's a lot harder to win four or five games than it is to win three, <laughs> you know, right. and you know, it looks, it looks pretty set, especially the top three, you know, and you, you mentioned Louisiana also kind of right there. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think it's quite possible JMU could win out. They're going to be favored in the rest of their games. And then that doesn't give Troy or app much room for, for error as far as like holding them off. Um, but one of the more interesting things about where the standings sit right now for me is if it ended today, Troy would be the number one seed because they got that tiebreaker against App. They don't play JMU. <clears throat> we look at we've been talking about, you know, Tro or sorry, App and JMU are kind of above the rest as far as net rankings and everything else goes. And JMU is really the only one that if things broke perfectly for them, they might sort of have an at-large possibility. Oh, <clears> that's, <throat> that's a long shot, but it's, it's there. Like their net,
1: their net is, is, yeah. is, is still like
2: on the cusp. So that the fact that Troy would be the number one seed right now is pretty interesting. Because in theory, you could get the two highest-rated net teams playing in the semifinals. If you're talking about somebody other than App or JMU winning the conference tournament and possibly sneaking in with a second team, JMU getting a victory over App in the semifinals and losing to Troy in the finals might be the only possible way to get a second team in the tournament. And right now, that's the way the standings kind of line up. You know, Shane, that has
1: been a goal of the commissioner, Commissioner Gill, and for the Sunbelt at large to get two programs in. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I I feel like it's pretty slim, even though uh, JMU has that. I I feel like JMU needs to get net 45
2: to have a shot at that. If they went on a winning streak from now until the conference finals, they might be right around that area. They'll have 29-30 wins. They're going to be in the conversation. I don't know they're a lock even in that situation, but that's about the only way to really get into the conversation as far as like being a bubble team and maybe sneaking in
1: by the way i got to see jmu at uh, in jonesboro uh i guess it was last week and uh, yeah you guys looked really good it was it was the first i think arkansas state shot 18% the first half and then 58% the second half to make it a, a game at the end there but uh yeah jmu seems like the real deal
2: yeah, they were pretty happy with the defense there. Uh, Mark Byington had great things to say about your Red Wolves.
3: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, nice. he,
2: he was proud of being able to get a road win there because he doesn't think it's easy. <laughs> and uh,
1: Well, we had a pretty good crowd. So I just want to backtrack a little bit, Tibbs, and to, to women's basketball. I want to put out a shout-out to A-State's Izzy Higginbottom. She has been named a semifinalist for the 2024. Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year Award. total of 10 players are recognized as semifinalists and Higginbottom is one of those 10. So congratulations. I think she's top 6 right now and scoring in the nation which is really cool for something for Arkansas State Basketball which has not had its best years of late but it's been pretty okay this year. So really looking forward to seeing if she can pull out that 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 trophy
0: so we know football is obviously the big driver when it comes to financials in college athletics
1: yes that's true
0: but but in college basketball Mm -hmm. it's got to be a break even right Shane (laughs) yeah sure I mean it's or even I would think that you know a well-run basketball program could actually uh, make a little bit of money so who do you think in the Sun Belt would be the most profitable team Mm. in the league. And this is per former show guest Tony Altmore, who does the great infographics on the X. And this dates back to 2022.
1: Well, it looks like ODU brings in the most fans. So just on that metric alone, I'm going to say the
2: Monarchs. And that would be my guess, too. Although I'll have a little bit more to say about this once we get, <laughs> once we get get to where we're
1: going. <laughs> oh, well, some some secret journalism that's going to come out. Some breaking news, Dusty. No. Brace yourself.
0: Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> oh, ODU lost one point eight million dollars wow. collectively in basketball. Holy hell! In fact, not a single Sunbelt team what posted a profit or a break even. You're with kidding? The Dukes. Leading the way, losing three point one million dollars. Whoa. Jer- Jeremy, God. we get the high five. We were thrifty. We only lost one point two million dollars each
1: Damn.
0: throughout that. Successful programs kind of in, in history of the league. Georgia State lost 2.7 million. Mm. The Raging Cajuns, they were dancing, they were also losing $1.5 million. So who who lost the most
1: the jam, the, the Dukes? Not uh Duke. Shane, Obviously you can give us some context to these numbers.
2: I think the context is the entire athletic department has to try to come close to breaking even. Yeah,
3: okay. Right?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean that's that's how you become a nonprofit. <laughs> I, if you're not watching I did the quote marks there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can, you know I and, can and this is the case, quote. you know, I mean it's even more so when you get to the programs they're spending 200 million a year or whatever um but you got to figure out i mean sometimes you're losing money on something because you want to spend the money on that regardless of whether you make you know the bottom line is most of these programs for their entire athletic department are going to be breaking even or very very close to that every year and it's just a matter of where they decide to spend whatever revenue they do have coming in
1: yeah you know dusty and i were kind of talking about this offline a little bit and we're wondering where are the costs to basketball travel has to be it right mm-hmm. you know, there's only 13 scholarships that you have to or i don't even know if it's that many that you have to have uh made available i don't Traditionally, women's teams don't pull in as m- much attendance as the men's teams, and that might be a bit of a drag. It's, to be sure, to, to for clarity, Dusty, this is men's and basketball and women's basketball, right? It's it's both programs. It's collective basketball. Collective right. basketball. Okay. So I don't know if there's a drag in that way. Uh, I I I don't know, Shane. Where are the costs? Where's where's the money being poured?
2: Well, I mean, I'd be. I saw this. I don't remember. Where was like Marshall on this? They're There is a team that is willing to spend some money on their basketball program. I know for JMU, Marshall, ODU2, their coaches really push to like charter flights for as often as they can for these. You know, if they're going out west to Texas State or Arkansas State or wherever, Um, they spend some money there. Um, I don't know if this counts it. JMU is still paying off their arena. Well, well yeah, you know, they're making big, big, yeah, I don't know if that's going into that factor, that number or not, but it might be. Um, I don't know. I mean, teams just decide how much they're going to spend. And, and are coaching
1: maybe, salaries put into that, too, I guess. I mean, probably, yeah, I mean yeah,
0: that's got to be a collective. What's it take to run the basketball programs? Yeah. And, and or, I, I mean, was kind of surprised the most profitable North Carolina and they only made $19.8 million.
1: Yeah, but who was number two? That was the most surprising.
0: Illinois. And they were at $16.1 million.
1: Whatever Illinois is doing, them being a, you know, a, a, a national brand, but not like a celebrated national brand, they're doing something financially that everybody needs to emulate. They, they must be doing something. They must get their books in order. We, we need to ask them to, to be in charge of all our books.
0: It was pretty interesting, though. You know, we talked about the Sunbelt Mac Challenge. Yeah. Pretty much right on par. The biggest loser in the Mac was Ohio at $2.4 million. Their thriftiest team, Western Michigan, at uh, 900000 Oh, okay. Yeah. So right on par. And, in fact, you know, we just wrapped up the Sunbelt Mac Challenge, and we had Alex on. To recap that with me, since y'all didn't want to talk to him, y'all yeah. y'all were gloating and and boastful about the Sun Belt getting the belt and and didn't want to join him. So I had to run with it solo, even though the Warhawks were two and zero oh against so my teams in there. <laughs>
1: oh I saw
2: I saw the belt up close. It was cool. I, that's all I've got to say about it. It's like cool trophy to have for for this event. <laughs>
0: This past weekend, the inaugural Sunbelt Mac challenge wrapped up. The Sunbelt gets the belt, of course, winning both rounds of that challenge on the men's and women's side. We got to gloat to somebody. So we bring in the guys from the Mac podcast, Alex Shear. Welcome in, Alex. But uh, how about that Sunbelt basketball?
3: I'll tell you what I was, uh, I was very impressed, obviously, you know, I think the Sun Belt is an incredibly competitive league. Um, I think, honestly, worthy of multiple bids to the NCAA tournament. And I thought about this for a while. Um, I think there were times where the Mac, the, the Mac has always confused me, right? You talk about, you know, winning, winning this, uh, winning this against the Mid-American Conference. Toledo beat Louisiana back in November. And then turn around and lose to Appalachian State in double overtime this past weekend. Appalachian State lost to NIU, who subsequently turns around and gets beat by South Alabama. Like it's just these matchups were were so competitive, Um, and but there were so many mismatches too. You know, I think the Toledo Appalachian State game this past weekend was the best of the bunch. I think that was just a real gritty, right down to the end. Um, heck of a heck of a finish to app state for, for clawing back and taking it to overtime and then obviously winning. Um, but I mean, this challenge was, was incredible. And then on the women's side, I mean, some great matchups over there too. I don't want to discount anything the women did, uh, out of the Sun Belt either. This, I mean, this, this is a, this was a challenge I think that has been very big and very important for mid-major conferences. Um, you get quality games against quality mid-majors helps boost RPIs both ways. Um, it also helps boost a little bit more of that national kind of recognition. People seeing, hey, there's some really good basketball going in the middle of the season with this challenge. And I I, I was really impressed with the Sun Belt and uh and obviously wish the Mac had done a little bit better, but uh overall very impressed with the Sun Belt. And you know, there's some teams in there that are going to be very tough, especially come NCAA tournament time.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, we say that jokingly because uh, we definitely love the G five. We love some action there as well. I was a little surprised that the women were were very spot on uh, in in the second mm-hmm. round here this this past weekend. Six and six record. So so really, kind of the yeah. draw in the second round that that early uh, round back in uh, November December was really what was the difference in that where the women went ten and two. The men, though, to me, you talk about that App State Toledo game, game of the year in, in my book. But each team had six players in double-digit scoring. It was just mm-hmm. a, a true fight to the end. If that didn't get you excited for some upcoming trips to conference tournaments, NIT, NCAA, c level tournaments, and everything in between, nothing, nothing's going to get you excited.
3: What? And I think to that point, you talk about that being the game of the year. I I would definitely agree with you, uh, both in conference, out of conference, whatever it may be. These teams came, they fought, they played extremely hard, and it, it's the kind of kind of slugfest, right? You know, who wants it more? You're you're late into double overtime. You know, come down to what I think a two score game. It was one hundred nine to one hundred five. Was the final of that one? This this was this was an all out gutter war. I never would have thought this would have been a 215-point game, right? You know, I, I never would have dreamed that. And I think the fans there in uh, Boone were treated to a real spectacle, and the fans here in Toledo, here in the MAC, were treated to a real spectacle. Um, just watching it from afar and just, I mean, an incredible game, incredible environment, right down to the wire. That's exactly what you want college basketball to be.
0: Was there anybody in the MAC that maybe stood out to you or that uh... – was maybe a little bit of a disappointment.
3: Um, I mean, I think I can I can kind of lead with uh, Toledo. Um, you know, just that second half, um, they they looked real sharp, and then they just they allowed App State to kind of claw back into it, and then obviously win it in double overtime. Um, but when you when you look at the MAC as a whole, um, I was really impressed with Kent State in the first in in, in the first round of this. Uh, less so in the second round uh, with that ten point loss to Troy. I was pleasantly surprised with Buffalo over Georgia Southern. Buffalo has been, I'll just say it, terrible this year, absolutely terrible. So for them to have a huge, grinded out win against Georgia Southern, who and and I know Georgia Southern they're five and twenty on the year, so I don't want to I don't want to overhype them, but Buffalo, they've been three and twenty this year. That was their third win on the year. This this is a Buffalo team who's really trying to refigure it out trying to understand where they're going what direction they're going they're out of contention for the conference i mean they're just they're not a good program this year so i was very happy for them to get that big confidence boost especially in an out of conference game buffalo needed that so i was very impressed with them um but honestly you know cmu getting the win over old dominion that was a that was a close one as well ohio i was disappointed in um I think probably if I had to say anybody, Akron, I knew what they were going up against with JMU. Uh, James Madison did a great job containing uh, Tribble and Ali Ali. I mean, just really shut down this Akron offense, specifically in the second half, um, because that was a really close one at halftime. And then they just they just punched him in the mouth in the second half. And I don't know. I mean, you know, Akron still, I think, is my favorite to win the Mid-American Conference. But I think any team that wants to beat them uh, the rest of the way, go watch this James Madison tape because that that is the recipe to beat the Akron Zips with players of a similar skill set. Of course, you're going to see the the Houstons of the world beat the Akrons of the world. You're going to see the the North Carolinas beat the Akrons. But now you got to see teams with comparable skill levels go head-to-head. If you're trying to knock off Akron, watch that watch that footage.
0: Yeah, I, I think to me out of the Sunbelt the two teams that really left me impressed maybe it's a homer pick but they did go 2 and 0 in the the Sunbelt MAC ULM. You know, they've had their yeah. struggles, their peaks and valleys, but able to get that quality win on the road uh when they played uh Miami of Ohio the first mm-hmm. first time around and then getting Eastern Michigan for a CBI rematch this time around wins have been hard to come by. And, and, and yep. kudos to head coach Keith Richard for really grinding that one out. Uh, Tyreek locourt double-double, 25 points, 10 rebounds. You can't ask for much more out of a kid like that. And then staying in, you know, they're sure they're the in-state rival, but we all uh, hold hands and sing Kumbaya during Sunbelt Conference action. Louisiana Lafayette, you know, the Raging Cajuns yeah. able to get it done. One of my favorite players, Hosanna uh, Continge, I think is how you say it, the big guy in the middle, double-double mm-hmm. as well. 16 points, 10 rebounds. Those were the two teams to me that really stood out. Yes, I really liked that App State team. We knew App State was good going into it. So yeah. on the surface, there was no real surprise there. But for the Mac, my favorite player now, Ali Ali. How could you cheer, not cheer for a guy like that?
3: Right. No, he's, he's an incredible playmaker. He's a guy who, he plays with a lot of speed, a lot of, a lot of aggression, um, but in, in in that same in that same breath, he also plays with a lot of patience. He waits for the plays to develop. He understands what he has to do, what his role is in that Akron offense and in that Akron defense. And I think he did a great job um, for for most of that game. Uh, you talked about the Eastern Michigan game. I wanted to wanted to point out, you know, hats off to UL Monroe. Of course, I, I did not realize how good they were at home. They're seven and five at home this year. Um, i know they're nine and 14 nine and 15 overall but seven and five at home that's i mean that tells you they're a little bit tougher to beat at home than anywhere else so I wanted to give them hats off as well eastern Michigan I know there are a lot of fans right now very unhappy with that with that uh coaching staff and the grumblings of making a coaching change have started but no hats off to you all monroe for sure um tyson Acuff, uh I mean he balled out for eastern you know really put up really put up some good points he had 29 points you know i just i think he's he's kind of that new leader that eastern michigan is has been needing um because he's one of those guys again who's just he's patient he he waits for things to develop but he knows sometimes i've got to put this game on my shoulders and let's let's take this to the next level and um i mean that was a great battle all the way through you know there was a you know, uh ULM, sorry, not UML, uh, ULM took that, took that lead right into halftime, but Eastern Michigan didn't give up. And that's, that's really a lot more of the fight I've seen out of them than I've seen all or more fight that I than I've seen all year. So I wanted to give props to UL Monroe, but I also want to uh, give my flowers to Eastern Michigan for really, really putting up a fight, especially down the stretch.
0: On the women's side, I can't lie. I I walked away impressed with Ball State able to go to James Ma- or host James Madison and beat really a solid premier team in the Sun Belt, Handed mm-hmm. them, Uh twenty two points off turnovers. They were able to get it done on the defensive side and then convert that to buckets on the other end. Staying in the Sun Belt, though, Arkansas State fifty three percent from the floor, led of course by Izzy Higginbotham with twenty five points. She is a
3: machine. Mm hmm. Yeah, the, you talk about that Ball State team. Anybody who has paid any attention to the Mac this year, you you know how special this Ball State team is. I mean, they've got three losses on the year. This is going to be a team who I think will probably win the Mac tournament. And right now they're my scheduled favorite. Um, just kind of looking at everything top to bottom, they dismantled Toledo at home earlier this year. Um, Allie Becky, is is currently my favorite to win MAC Player of the Year on the women's side. Just watching what she does, she comes out, she plays with so much heart. Um, you've got Marie Kiefer who had a great game against uh, JMU. She had 19 points. Um, you know, she was six of nine on her field goals and six of seven from the free throw line. Um, this was a team who really, really showed up. Ball State is an incredibly defensive team they know what it's like to get into to scrappy games. They've lost several scrappy games over the over their really their history that they maybe shouldn't have lost. Now they're starting to kind of piece things together. Now they're starting to really get this machine rolling. And yeah, I mean, I was very impressed with that matchup between Ball State and JMU. I loved what JMU brought to the table. Ashanti Barnes was explosive, you know, Stats wise, it won't it won't tell you she was. But you watched how she played that game. Ball State had to contain her, which is why her numbers were so low. But they knew if they let her get open, it was game over. So hats off to her. She was phenomenal. Um and and you talk and you talk kind of going down this list. I was personally very happy with the with the Toledo win. Um that was a nice kind of a I don't want to say a rebound win for the Rockets. But that was a nice win over. You're a UL Monroe team. Um, the Rockets needed needed that one at home. Uh, my girl Sammy McConowitz, of course, balled out with 13 points. Um, she, she has just been a wrecking ball. I was very impressed with Troy in that bowling Green game. Troy stood out to me big time. They came into uh, into the Stroh Center down there in Bowling Green. And, and they punched the Falcons in the mouth. And I, and I know Bowling Green has had their ups and down this year. Bowling Green, for all intents and purposes, is a really good Mid-American basketball team who watched half of their team transfer to Michigan State um, when Coach Fralick left. So they are in a very much rebuild, but it almost feels like they're just reloading because they are still a very talented basketball team.
0: Yeah, if they're able to go head-to-head with Chanda down at uh, Troy, mm-hmm. you know they have things right. But look, Alex, it was so much fun this year. We get to do it again next year. What yeah. are some things that you want to see maybe different? Is, is, do we do this on a neutral court to, to kind of spice it up a little bit more and, and, and bang it out over a four-day span? Or, or do we kind of keep this format, but maybe the, the the teams that don't participate from the Sun Belt just schedule those non-conference games against MAC teams anyway?
3: So – I love that idea. I th- I think that there is, I I think you obviously want to try to get everybody involved if you can, right? You know, this is uh, you know, the Sun Belt has what fourteen teams? Is that correct? Yep. Um, and so the Mac Mac is sitting there at twelve. I think, you know, if you can try to get everybody involved, great. But I think you got to take the top twelve from the previous year and match them up against the the twelve from the Mac. Um. That being said, I love the idea of banging this out over a four day period a three or four day weekend and just saying, hey, we're going to play a game on Friday. Then we're going to turn around, you know, play a game on Sunday. Uh, The other side, it's going to be a game on Saturday and then a game on Monday. I love the idea of making it like a mini tournament um, at a neutral site um, or neutral couple sites. Right. You know, I think having that um, that opportunity to do that and to do that consistently. Um, and I think you could host it at, I don't, I don't want to say like anywhere in particular, but like, I think you could host it in a very neutral area, um, somewhere in Southeast Mack country, Northeast or yeah, Southeast Southwest Mack country, no Southeast. I'm sorry. I'm really bad at geography, Southeast Mack country or Northwest, uh, Sunbelt country just to kind of find some neutral places. There are plenty of basketball arenas, teams that are not going to be playing that weekend at home. I think you could very easily find a way to do it at several neutral sites and make it a lot more, a lot more interesting and just say, Hey, the fans have to come here. You gotta, you gotta make this a spectacle, make it a kind of a neutral environment. I think that'd be really cool.
0: It's like a bowl season all over again. I love it. Uh,
3: I, I would love the equivalent of basketball bowl season. I mean, we get that right with, with uh, the NCAA tournament. And then, uh, the NIT and then the the CIT and then the XYZ and, you know, all the rest of these tournaments that they uh, that they throw at us. But I, I love the idea of the neutral thing. Now, I, I was a big fan of the home and home. I think it was really cool that you got to play uh, one at your place and then one at, one at the visitor's place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you do that, you have to almost play the same team. I think, you know, Toledo plays App State at home. And then they play them on the road or ball state, you know, same thing. They play JMU at home and they play them on the road. I also wouldn't mind seeing the men and the women's team take on the same opponent. I think that would be really interesting.
0: Doing the good old doubleheader. I like it. Bringing back the days. So Alex, tell us about your podcast and where people can uh, get more information on the Mac.
3: Yeah, man. I, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on, talk, talk a little Maction, even if it was, uh, did not result in the victories I was hoping for. Um, I do appreciate the chance to talk about this, this great league and this conference. Uh, but yeah, you guys can find the Mac sports connection podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. We've got episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, again, wherever you can, where you can find it, um, in terms of social media, uh you can look up the handle at the msc podcast on tiktok instagram facebook uh twitter x and then of course youtube at msc podcast um going to be doing some really cool baseball and softball content this fall um just trying to get more people interested and excited in those sports uh got some lacrosse scheduled Going to do a field hockey match mashup with Miami, Ohio. Doing some content down there here in a couple of weeks. So just a lot of really great things in the works. And um, you know, appreciate any and all the love and support. You know, anybody's willing to throw out it means a lot. And like I said, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. There it is. Okay, we recap.
0: The Mac Sunbelt Challenge with the Mac Podcast. Always great to have Alex on to talk about that. Looking forward to it again next year. And, of course, we're going to cross paths more and more, especially bowl games and football. Another year of Sunbelt Mac Challenges. I think there's even a little bit of baseball crossover. So good to see the G5 sticking together and keeping the money amongst us instead of giving it to the P5.
1: Shane, now, you're a
0: professional
1: journalist, right?
0: Uh, Ostensibly,
1: yeah. Yeah, of course. How would you rate Dusty as an interviewer? Like would you give him high marks? I would. Yeah. Dusty's good. Yeah. Yeah. He knows how to he knows how to drill deep. You know, he doesn't he doesn't flinch at the tough questions. He goes right in there.
0: It's always great to have those awkward conversations. I mean, God knows what we've talked <laughs> about, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Weren't we
1: talking about anal beads earlier? Oh, wait, was that off camera? I can't remember what was. <laughs>
0: And on that note, yeah, oh. our bet nice online on the Believe Network. <laughs> yes, it was great being on the Believe Network, but our bet saying, online plugs, <laughs> promos, and parting shots. Shane, please save us on on, on this. Ah, <clears throat> uh,
2: I was going to say I've got a plug, but that doesn't. Matter. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. The uh, DNR online slash sports. Uh, that <laughs> You can read all about uh, JMU and the Sun Belt. <laughs> My parting shot there, Jeremy. Okay.
0: It's softball season. And, of course, two great programs met in Louisiana Lafayette this past weekend as the Cow Bears invaded Lafayette, Louisiana to take on the Raging Cajuns. Well, that sounds like a good match. On Saturday, though,
1: mm-hmm.
0: national anthem. Yeah, everyone's standing at attention except for a handful of the cow bear players oh that decided my... to take a knee. Okay, Cajun fan, not happy, screaming, yeah. yelling. Oh my goodness! Wokeness, stand uh, up. Yeah, all kind of other things. That was the precursor to the great game oh, where when the more... weather started happening. The game was not delayed. It was wet. Wild pitch for the cow pitcher Uh that resulted in the Cajuns being able to score a couple runs and match the game. The catcher didn't like it. Threw her helmet. Assistant coach, which assistant coaches cannot come off the bench this year in softball, tells the ump exactly where he can go in his face. She's (laughs) gone to pushing and shoving. Pure anarchy. Wow. It's a... Great precursor to baseball when even the softball girls are getting their hands dirty and, and and getting ready to throw down. Wow! So is this going to be
1: like the 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 genesis of a West Coast Southern rivalry between Louisiana and Cal? I mean, that would be kind I like, of. Cool.
0: I like to think that they meet somewhere in a regional, and that's your your final okay. for a trip to 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 Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, you get the video playbacks so of this is li- this is what happened last time these two meet. and yeah, that would be pretty good. Uh,
0: and, and then the icing on the cake for the Sunday game, there was a audio malfunction preventing the national anthem from being played for the finale. Occasion did take the series though.
1: A convenient malfunction. Yeah, well, well, good for the malfunction, you know, sometimes. When you have a malfunction, it prevents fisticuffs. And I think that was the situation that we had right there, Dusty.
0: Yeah, I mean, how many times are we still talking about Janet Jackson and her malfunction?
1: (laughs) We're still still worried about that. Uh, I have a plug and a parting shot. My plug is selfish uh, for HalRazor.com. I went ahead and assessed all the top recruits. The top recruit for each team in the Sun Belt this year Dusty, congratulations. ULM has come up with the top recruit, the top raw recruit, not the top transfer. I know transfer has kind of made things a little bit weird. Like, uh, well, yeah, our high school recruiting is a little different than our transfer recruiting. I know it's all different. Focus solely on high school recruiting. The highest-graded recruit comes to ULM. Uh, you can check I'm it out. glad you
0: focused on high school kids when he's a JUCO transfer, but that's another Wait, he's story. a JUCO transfer. Thank you for the belt. You've already awarded it. No takebacks. It's still old school recruiting.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Anyway, but my 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 parting shot is: I was thinking, I was watching the Super Bowl, and there was this there's this big brouhaha where uh, Travis Kelsey, right he he's taken out of the game, and then there's some wacky hijinks that occurs, and 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 the Chiefs end up surrendering the ball back to uh, San Francisco. And Travis Kelsey gets into the face of Andy Reid and just starts screaming his head off. He said he said something like, if you put me in the game, I will score the touchdown, that kind of thing. But it was rude, right? You're on national TV and you're showing up your coach like that, acting that way. It was kind of rude. Here's the thing. To me, this is why college coaches, when they make the transition from college to pros, I think this is one reason why they don't always succeed. Because when you get into the pros, you're dealing with a bunch of guys who one are making more money than you, and two, uh, they 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 don't really see themselves as as having a leader of men in the clubhouse. You know, teach them the ways of manhood, right? So you get a guy like uh, I don't know, like Urban Meyer, who 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 has, who runs his college football teams. Like it's I don't know, like he's he's in the army. And he just sits around and yells and berates. And he tries to do that in the NFL. He has a kicker almost kick his ass. Or if you have uh, Petrino kind of do the same thing when he got to Atlanta, thought he was going to – all the tr- all the tricks that he could do in college with players, kind of treat him like Dirks. that's not going to fly in the NFL. So I, I think the beauty of Andy Reid is he's going to kind of look past this. He's going to be like, yeah, it was no big deal. Emotions are high. He's going to find a way to manage manage it. I don't know if college coaches can always do that. So, uh, yeah, that's my parting shot.
0: That was a lot of words, Jeremy.
2: Did you listen to any of them?